at the movies. Hello, one. Hello, all. My name's Bryony, and it's Tuesday, or Martes, if you're in the Spanish speaking world, and that means you're listening to Martes at the movies. You find me right now very proud at having successfully made a raspberry jelly from some powder and four cups of water, and feeling like taking down an evil scheming emperor in honour of the last film I watched, Ridley Scott's Roman epic gladiator. When I'm not being swept along by nearly three hours of sprawling gladiatorial fights, I'm passing judgement on music from movies and ordering them into top ten lists. These lists are highly subjective and probably inaccurate, because, alas, I do not have a magic formula for ranking them. In all honesty, it really just comes down to what I'm a fan of. Although, I will admit that any song from a film featuring Tom Hiddleston will automatically be placed three spots higher than it probably should be. Martis, mar, 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 Martis at the movies. Last week, I talked about the best movie montage songs ever. But don't worry if you missed it, because you can head over to It's Just Bry on YouTube and listen to a playlist of the full versions of all of last week's songs and let me know what you think of them. Last week, a bunch of you did, and I'm feeling a little bit smug because none of you disagreed with any of my inclusions to last week's list. In fact, Stephen even pointed out that he didn't think anyone would be able to disagree with my decision to put Gonna Fly Now from Rocky as number one. You just can't argue with it. Some of you did, however, have some suggestions about songs that could have made it onto the list, and quality suggestions at that. Tom's suggestion was the Changing Seasons montage in Notting Hill to Ain't No Sunshine. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone It's not warm when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone That's a brilliant one. I'm quite upset that I didn't include that. And Corin's suggestion makes me quite upset too, but for a different reason. It's the montage from the beginning of Up tells the story of Carl and Ellie's marriage to the beautiful song Married Life. I mean, that one just upsets me in general for making me cry in the first five minutes of a Pixar film. Donald even suggested the short montage in the middle section of Akuna Matata. shows Simba aging from a lion cub to a full-grown lion. And I love those ideas, but I want more. If you think I've missed a song out of this week's list, or if you have any thoughts about my top 10, be they negative or positive, then be part of the debate. You can find me on Twitter as It's Just Bry one no spaces, no punctuation, or on Facebook and WordPress as Marty's at the Movies. Get involved in the conversation. This week, we're talking about dance numbers. And now it's time for the highly subjective and probably inaccurate top 10 list of the week. Wouldn't life be wonderful if sporadic singing and dancing broke out and we magically were all able to join in because we knew all the words and the steps? In musicals, I guess we grow to expect it. There are sing-along versions available on DVD, there are West End runs and revivals and reruns, and we're fully aware that we're watching a heightened universe in which it's completely normal to have arguments, give reams of exposition, and even declarations of love through song. What's just a little bit more delightful is the surprise you get when a film which has, up until this point, stayed fairly close to the lines of reality, or at least reality as it's been defined in the parameters of the universe of that film, when a film like that suddenly hits you with an unexpected dance number, it's a glorious moment, never fails to put a smile on my face. And in fact, the top three songs in this week's list are all from films which I would consider to be in my personal top ten. 
clearly there's an underlying pattern in the type of films which I enjoy, or I'm just more predictable than I thought. Either way, I'm very excited to bring you my top 10 list of dance numbers from movies which are not dance movies. In at number 10, we've got the most recent film which I've featured on the podcast so far, the smash hit of summer 2014, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Described as a big risk, and only partially because two of the main characters are a talking tree and a gun-slinging raccoon, the space adventure defied expectations to be a huge success and a lot of fun to boot, most notably in the unexpected dance sequence in which the main character, Peter Quill, attempts to stop the villain, Ronan the Accuser, from blowing up an entire planet by distracting him with a dance-off to the sounds of Ooh Child by the Five Stair Steps. It's a wonderfully strange moment, made all the better by the look of utter bewilderment on Ronan's face, as instead of trying to fight him or run away, Cool throws down some Michael Jackson-inspired moves. I am, however, going to take points off it for implausibility. Would a supervillain bent on destroying a planet really be distracted for such a long time by someone dancing? I mean, wouldn't you just shoot him? I would. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I would were I a supervillain bent on destroying a planet. I would not do that, however, in my current incarnation of self. Yeah. So it's only really bottom on my list because it's a one-man dance number, it's far too short, and because the film hasn't really been out for long enough for this scene to be the classic that I think it will become in years to come. A cracking start to the list from a studio which cannot put a foot wrong at the minute. In comparison to number 10, number 9 on the list features twice the amount of actors dancing, it lasts about three times as long, and it flies off the scale when it comes to how wonderfully and childishly exuberant it is, and how huge a smile it puts on my face. I'm talking about the scene in the film Big, in which they dance chopsticks and heart and soul on a giant piano. The concept of this scene does not make you melt a little bit, then you have a heart of stone. Tom Hanks plays a little boy who wishes to be big and gets transformed into a 30-year-old man and upon entering a toy shop, he spots a giant foot-operated piano on the ground and his eyes just light up. <laughs> the amount of childlike enthusiasm is just adorable. Also, I think I particularly resonate with this scene because I, for a brief time as a kid, took piano lessons under the tutelage of my mum and these songs remain two of the four songs I can play alongside Ode to Joy and the theme from the Rugrats. My chief memory of piano lessons is of having a coin placed in the back of my hand whilst I played in order to gain the correct hand posture, which was something I despised. If you put me in front of a giant-sized floor piano, however, and asked me to play chopsticks, I'd bet you it would have been a pretty different experience. Who knows where I could be in life right now, huh? Our next film is one of those ones that has what people who know about films like to call a cult following which from what I can tell basically means that no one saw it when it first came out, but it then developed a small, passionate and very devoted fan base. My housemate at university was one of these cult followers, and I definitely feel like I levelled up my pop culture knowledge when he made me watch this film, and I learned that all of those people wearing Vote for Pedro t-shirts weren't actually politically engaged, they were just referencing the class president election at the heart of the very funny high school film Napoleon Dynamite, which I'd definitely recommend if you haven't already seen it, even if only for the brilliant dance sequence that Napoleon performs to Jamiroquai's Canned Heat. Got candy in my ears tonight, 
Napoleon is what you might call a character. I mean, literally, yes, he is a fictional character in a film, but he also has that sort of unique personality and manner which caused people to say, he's quite a character, isn't he? He's a very socially awkward high school student with a ginger perm, huge glasses and moon boots, and he spends his time feeding llamas and drawing ligers. But when his friend Pedro needs a skit for his class president election, we get the glorious moment in which Napoleon gets up on the stage and, to the amazement of everyone, performs a highly elaborate dance routine which shows that he can actually dance pretty well. I mean, it's a different, uh, unique interpretation of the song, but embarrassingly, it's also ten times better than any dance that I could ever do. Seven, seven. In at number seven is the dance number from a film which I have probably seen upwards of 30 times and can quote religiously, and it never fails to make me laugh. It's called The Knight's Tale, and it's got a wonderful dance number to Golden Years by David Bowie. So this film's got a great cast that doesn't take itself too seriously, including Heath Ledger at his most charismatic, but I think the thing which gives the film so much of its charm is how intentionally anachronistic it is. It's set in medieval England and France, but it features countless songs, outfits and slang from modern times. They're clearly misplaced in time. I mean, the women dress like they're going to the races at Ascot, suits of armour have Nike ticks emblazoned on them, and the knights are introduced as if they're WWE wrestlers about to take on The Rock. But I think the best decision was choosing to use classic rock songs for the film's soundtrack. The knights return home after a long time abroad to the sounds of The Boys Are Back in Town. They enter the arena to We Will Rock You. And when Ledger's character Will, who is a squire disguised as a knight, when he's forced to demonstrate the national dance of his pretend home nation at a ball, he invents one to the sounds of David Bowie and with moves that wouldn't look out of place in a music video. It's a brilliant scene. Six, six. Number six is the moment when a bona fide movie star was born. In the movie Risky Business, high school student Joel, played by Tom Cruise, is excited by the freedom of having the house to himself with his parents out of town. So he reads his parents' liquor cabinet and wearing just a pink shirt, white underpants and white socks, dances around the house to the sounds of old-time rock and roll. sliding into frame on his sock soles and dancing around like a fool using a candlestick as a microphone has become such an iconic image that the trope of someone home alone and dancing like an idiot to celebrate their freedom that's become known as a risky business dance. It's been parodied or copied hundreds of times and yeah it's iconic but the only reason why I haven't ranked it higher on the list is because in my head I can't quite shake the association between this scene and the scene in which Hugh Grant as the Prime Minister in Love Actually dances around 10 Downing Street in a very similar fashion. And I'll let you into the very poorly guarded secret of probably my most controversial opinion. I think Love Actually is overrated and I don't really like it. This scene, however, I do like. Five. Five. So this is a bit of an odd one. I know that this song and the accompanying dance became insanely popular in 2008. It won the Best Original Song Oscar. It spawned an English language version performed by none other than the Pussycat Dolls. But... It's a hyperly energetic and joyful end to a movie which features torture, slums and child abuse. I'm talking about Slumdog Millionaire and in particular the credits dance scene on the train platform to J-Ho. To clarify, I have nothing against Slumdog Millionaire. I love the premise. 
An Indian boy from the slums of Mumbai ends up competing on who wants to be a millionaire. He surprises everyone by knowing the answers because of something that has happened to him at various points in his life. It's smart, it's well-directed, and the flashbacks that explain how he knows the answers, they're really engaging. I also like the song, particularly the fact that it's sung by four different vocalists in four different languages, Hindi, Punjabi, Urdu, and randomly Spanish. Tonally, this film is, is tough and part, in parts very harrowing as well, but the ending is so upbeat and happy. The film's poster even proclaims it the feel-good film of the decade. For director Danny Boyle, this scene was important because it reflects the spirit of the city of Mumbai, of the joy and light and energy and colour that exists alongside the horrors. And there is no doubt that this dance is a massive favourite with the public and it ends the film on what is perhaps a necessarily hopeful and optimistic note, which is why I've given it number five on my list. I'm a little bit obsessed with Quentin Tarantino at the minute. And this means that there was no way I was going to let his most famous dance number pass me by. And that particular dance number comes from Pulp Fiction. It features John Travolta and Uma Thurman in a diner, getting up on stage to participate in a twist competition to the Chuck Berry song, You Can Never Tell. Pulp Fiction is pure Tarantino, Highly stylized action and violence, non-linear storytelling, dark humour, and then there's this scene. Seemingly so out of place amongst the gangsters and the drug users, it makes this simple, fun little moment of interaction between these two characters all the more memorable. It's infectious, funny, almost sweet, and it comes out of nowhere. Of course, it features John Travolta dancing, which is always a bonus. And then there's the fact that the dancing is very low-key and understated and completely in contrast to what we as an audience know Travolta to be capable of and just generally the rest of the film. Plus, it's just effortlessly quirky and cool. It earns it. Three. Three. As you may recall, all three of the following films are probably in my personal top ten, so I am wildly excited to reach this point. Number three on our list is now in 2015, celebrating its 30th anniversary but it's no less relatable now than when it came out bang in the middle of the 80s. It's a quintessential high school film about breaking down stereotypes in which five students are forced to spend a Saturday together in detention and they end up learning that they are each so much more than their labels of the brain, athlete, basket case, princess and criminal. This film's called The Breakfast Club and I just love it. Almost the whole film is set inside the school library and as they get to know one another and share their secrets, they break down the walls of their social cliques and at one point they end up dancing around the library together to the sounds of You Are Not Alone by Carla DeVito. Originally, this dance scene was just meant to be for Claire, the spoilt rich girl or princess of the group. But the actress, Molly Ringwald, was really nervous about dancing by herself because she didn't think she was a dancer in any way. So they changed the dance scene at the last minute and included the whole breakfast club in it, which I think was a great decision. It's a lovely way to see the group bonding together and it breaks up what is otherwise a very talky film. I give it an A+. Another place in this list? Another John Hughes-directed film from the 80s about high school students and another film I adore and have adored for a long time. In fact, when I was 18 and getting ready to move to England for university, being a walking cliché, I thought I needed some film posters from my new bedroom, so I bought a Ferris Bueller's Day Off poster from eBay and it's been on my wall ever since, proudly reminding me that leisure rules and that sometimes it's hard to take it easy. 
Ferris is a high school final year student adored by everyone. He sets up a really elaborate ruse to trick his parents into thinking that he's sick so that he can skip school for the day with his best friend and his girlfriend in order to do pretty much the least rebellious things possible, like going to art galleries and restaurants. Then there's, of course, the moment where he gate crashes a huge parade, gets up on one of the floats, and lip syncs and dances to the Beatles' Twist and Shout. It's a brilliant moment, spontaneous, audacious, and just very enjoyable. Hughes shot this during an actual parade in Chicago, the Von Steubenday Parade, which is an annual event celebrating German-American culture. So some of the people you can see dancing in the scene, they weren't even extras in the movies. They were just like ordinary citizens of Chicago who were there to watch the parade and got caught up in the energy of it all. It's made even better by the fact that there was a difficult dance routine planned for this scene, but Matthew Broderick, who played Ferris, he injured his knee filming a chase scene in the movie, and so the whole thing is live improvised, which is probably exactly how Ferris would have wanted it. One, one. Number one is a great scene, and definitely the standout moment in the fantastic film that is 500 Days of Summer. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character Tom, who's been infatuated with Summer, the new girl at work, since the very first day that they met. Well, he finally gets together with her, and as he leaves his flat the next morning to walk to work, clearly in a wonderful mood, music starts playing and things escalate and escalate until they culminate in a massive musical theatre-style dance number in a downtown LA park. Set to hollow notes, you make my dreams come true. Everything about this is brilliant. It's such a surprising moment in the film and full of extra little touches to make it even better. Tom looks at his reflection in a car window and he sees Han Solo winking back at him. All the backup dancers in the park are dressed in blue, which the movie uses as its colour to represent love because it matches Zoe Deschanel's eyes. A cartoon bird flies down and sits on Tom's finger in a sly little nod at how sugary sweet Disney-style romances can be. And to finish the whole thing off, Tom breaks the fourth wall by looking directly at the camera, as if to say that he is fully aware of the wonderful ridiculousness of this scene and he defies us to view it any other way. Oh, it's incredible. Martes at the movies. And that's it. Ten dance numbers for movies which are not dance movies. I really enjoyed that and I hope you did too. Let me know what songs you liked, what songs you disliked, or if you thought that I missed any out. Tweet me at It's Just Bry One, Facebook me at Marty's at the Movies, or have a look at WordPress, Marty's at the Movies. You can even head over to YouTube and check out the playlists on It's Just Bry of the full versions of all of the songs from this week's episode. Why not even leave a review on iTunes if you feel like it? Next week, we're talking about some of the most iconic movie themes of all time. So polish up your violin and put on a bow tie in preparation for some classics. Until then, may the force be with you. The odds be ever in your favour, and I'll see you next Martis.